0: Today we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And as we participate here at First Baptist Church, our deacons are in the homes of our homebound members administering the elements to them. This is always one of my favorite services because it allows us the opportunity to have that connection to people who belong to this church, love this church, pray for this church, but are no longer able to Attend this church, and we're grateful to God for them. As we look at the Lord's Supper today, the most thorough discussion of the ordinance is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and chapter 11. I think that it is obvious as one reads that passage of Scripture that Paul was concerned that the Lord's Supper could possibly become an idol of worship. You see, that is always a temptation with any religious symbol or any religious rite, that in time it can become an item or an object of worship. For instance, when the Hebrews were in the wilderness, they were being bitten by snakes, and God instructed Moses that he was to make a brazen serpent, put it on a pole, and as they looked to the serpent in faith, then they would be healed, they would be spared, and that happened. But as time went on, that brazen serpent became an object of worship and was destroyed by Hezekiah. In 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, the Bible says, He also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days the sons of Israel burned incense to it. So that was Paul's concern concerning the ordinances that they do not become an object of worship. Thus he wrote, flee from idolatry. Now how is it that a symbol, a religious symbol or a religious right can become an object of worship? And I believe that primarily it's when we overestimate its power or we give it a power that God never gave to it. For instance, with baptism, baptism is a symbol of our salvation, but oftentimes when I ask someone about their relationship to the Lord, they will say, well, I was baptized when I was 12, or I was baptized at this time. And what they are saying, in effect, is that as a result of my baptism, now I am a Christian. Therefore, they have given a power to baptism that God never gave to us. The same thing is true with the Lord's Supper. There are those who participate in the Lord's Supper and believe that as a result of my participation in the Supper, that makes me then right with God. So Paul wanted them to understand what God intended with this ordinance. So he wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ. Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? So what is Paul saying then? He was concerned that the ordinance become an object of worship. He said it is intended that as we participate in the Lord's Supper that we are nourished in Christ that we find satisfaction in Christ. So there, there is something that God wants to accomplish as you participate in the Lord's Supper, and that's that you are built up in Christ, that you are nourished in Christ, and that you find satisfaction in Him. Now let's look at the text. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now as we look at the passage of Scripture where Paul gives to us instruction concerning the Lord's Supper, he points out the problems that the Corinthians were having within the church. You'll notice in verse number 18 he said, For in the first place when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you and in part I believe it. The Corinthian church is an interesting church because it had all the spiritual gifts and yet it was terribly divided. It was a a divided church. They were divided, for instance, uh, concerning leadership. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1.12, Each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. So the church then was badly divided concerning leadership. There were those who say, we only follow Peter, we only follow Paul, we only follow Apollos, and some said, we follow no man, we only follow Jesus. And so they were divided concerning leadership. They were also divided over doctrines, especially spiritual gifts. That was an area in which this church was divided. In fact, it was so bad within the fellowship that there were people who were actually suing each other, taking each other to secular court, suing each other now there's nothing wrong with having differing opinions that's why we're baptists right i mean we have differing there's nothing wrong with differing opinions but in the corinthian church it had begun it had gone beyond that you see in verse number 19 for there must also be factions among you, in order that those who are approved may have become evident among you. You'll notice the word factions. Vine says the word factions denotes ambition, self seeking, rivalry, self will being an underlying idea in the word, hence the meaning of seeking to win followers. So what was happening in the church is not only did they have differing opinions, but they were divided into little groups, into little factions. And each one was trying to get other people into theirs. So they were dividing up the body, they were dividing up the church. And as they did so then, I am right and you are wrong. Paul says with that attitude you are not participating in the Lord's Supper. Look at verse number 20. Therefore, because of this, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So Paul begins by pointing out the problem that they had in the church. He said the church is divided, not differing opinions, nothing wrong with that, not having differing opinions, but he says you are divided and trying to get others into your camp. Now then, after he points out the problems, he gave some principles that are expected as we participate in the Lord's Supper. There is the principle of remembrance, verse number 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which, for, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The word remembrance means to consciously call to mind. So the Lord's Supper then is a memorial supper It corresponds to the Jewish Passover. Now you recall in the Jewish Passover during that period that a lamb was to be taken, its blood was to be shed, and the blood was to to be put on the doorpost. And when the death angel came and saw the blood, the death angel passed over that house. So the Passover then was in celebration. It was a a remembrance of the deliverance that they had received. The blood had been shed. The death angel saw the blood, passed over. So the Passover was a remembrance of that deliverance. Well, that's what the Lord's Supper is. The Lord's Supper is a remembrance. We remember Jesus' deliverance. As we participate in the Lord's Supper, it is a time of remembrance. We are reminded of his sacrifice on the cross. Now, folks, as we participate in the supper, we remember that Jesus died on the cross. That's what it is. So when you receive the bread, it symbolizes the broken body of Jesus. When you receive the juice, it symbolizes the shed blood of Jesus. We remember. That's what the Lord's Supper is. It is a remembrance. We remember His sacrifice. We remember that Jesus took our sins upon Himself at the cross and paid for our sins. That was the reason John Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That is what Jesus did. When He died on the cross, He took my sins upon Himself. His body was broken, His blood was shed. He paid for my sins, and we remember that in the Lord's Supper. So there's the principle of remembrance. There's also the principle of proclamation, verse number 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord's Supper reminds us of our responsibility to share the good news. What is the message? His death. Proclaim his death. The gospel is the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's what it is. I know that there are those who want to change the gospel. No, that that is the gospel. It is the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. The gospel is all about Christ. Now, what is the mandate here? We are to proclaim his death for how long? until he comes we proclaim his death until he comes in other words the message never changes the message concerns the Lord Jesus his life death and resurrection that is the message we proclaim until he returns so there's the principle of proclamation that is the message that we proclaim then there's the principle of expectation in verse number 26 again For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We expect his return. In fact, the return of Christ is mentioned more than 300 times in the New Testament. Proclaim his death until he comes. You know, when Jesus came the first time, he came as a helpless babe had to be taken care of by a mother and a father. When he returns, when he comes the second time, he will come as king of kings and lord of lords. The last time we saw Jesus or Jesus was seen on this earth, he was abused, he was mocked, he was beaten, and he was crucified. When he comes the next time, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is lord. He is coming again, and Paul says that that is the hope of the believer. He says that it is our blessed hope. So there is the promise that he gives to us. Principle for participation, remember sacrifice, proclaim his death, and expect his return. Then there is the personal accountability. As we participate in the Lord's Supper, you have an accountability just as I do. There's to be examination, verse number 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Vine says the word examine means to prove, to test, to approve. Now, he gives instruction as to we come to the Lord's Supper there. What did he say as we participate in the Lord's Supper? He says that you and I are to examine ourselves. The problem most of us have is we want to examine someone else's worthiness so we look around at other people and we want to examine whether or not we think they are worthy that's not what he said he said we are to examine ourselves now look at verse 27 therefore whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the, the Lord now I know that in the King James Version, it, it, it tends to indicate to some that you are to be worthy to participate in the Lord's Supper. No, it is, this is not an adjective. This is an adverb. It speaks of attitude. You are to have the right attitude, the right spirit when you participate in the Lord's Supper. None of us is worthy. None of us is worthy. We all need the grace of God. He is not speaking about whether or not you and I are worthy. He is speaking about our attitude. He is speaking about our spirit that we are to be in the right spirit when we participate in the Lord's Supper. Now there is a warning. This is the reason this is important. Verse number 29. For he who eats and drinks eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. So he says that we are to examine ourselves because of the serious consequences of participating in the Lord's Supper with the wrong attitude, with the wrong spirit. He said there are many who are weak and sick and some sleep. Sleep there is a euphemism for death. So he says there are some who are sick some who are weak, and some who die because they participate in the Lord's Supper with a wrong attitude. But here's the promise that he makes, and it relieves our apprehension. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think, whoa, maybe I'll not participate in this. Maybe, maybe there's, a, there's a question in my mind here, but here's what he does. He gives us a promise that relieves the apprehension that we might have when we come to the table. Now look at Verse 31. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we should not be judged. He says that if I judge myself, then God doesn't have to. If I am willing to examine myself and judge myself, then it is not necessary for God to judge me. He goes on in verse number 32. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned along with the world. So he says, now God may discipline his child, but he does not condemn his child to death. So it's important that we examine ourselves, that we have a right attitude as we participate in the Lord's Supper. But lest you be overly apprehensive, he said, if we judge ourselves, then we are not judged. God may discipline us for things in our life, but he does not condemn us. For them if we know him so there's examination and then there's consideration in verse number 33 so then my brethren when you come together to eat wait for one another we are to be considerate of each other at the Lord's table in fact he says come together he uses that five times in the text come together come together so the Lord's supper then we come together in place we are here together the Lord's Supper, we participate as a congregation. But also in spirit, which is probably more important, that we are to be united in spirit. That doesn't mean that we agree on everything, but we are united in spirit that Jesus is Lord. And then he says, and wait for one another. Whether one is young or old, rich or poor, whatever they are, we are to be considerate of each other. Why? Because worship is never self-centered. Worship is never self-centered. So let me conclude as we get ready to participate. As we come to the Lord's table, we look back. And we look back and remember the tradition of those who have come before us. That the Lord's Supper has been observed by Christians throughout history. We look back. It is a time for us to look up. And see the sacrificial lamb who paid for our sins on Calvary. It is a time to look out and see that there are people around us who are lost. And we proclaim the gospel to those. And then it is a time to look in to see that we are right with God. So we're going to extend an invitation. And if there is a decision that you need to make to be right with God. We want to give you that opportunity. Stand with me, please, and I will pray, and then the choir will sing as we extend the invitation. Our Father in God, I pray your blessings upon this time as we examine ourselves and as we remember the sacrifice of our Lord. Be with those to whom you're speaking today. May they be obedient to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Therefore to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Our gracious Father, we thank you as we remember the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus made on our behalf. May we honor you through this remembrance, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also, and after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Our Father, your word declares that apart from the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And we know that as Jesus shed his blood on Calvary, that grace and forgiveness became available to us. Thank you for your sacrifice and for your shed blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
1: service like this and we leave and we, forgot, we forget to say Lord thank you just thank you so right now in your own heart as we close our service would you just thank him, thank him for his love thank him for what he did on the cross, just say Lord I thank you thank you for the privilege of being in this place today and then our heart cry is this Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. My heart sings this song again. Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. Sing it, church, sing it.
0: of